Is the Packers defense good enough to win ugly for the rest of the season? Maybe. It's entirely possible if they ever get good against the run. But... All right. No more zombies. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. We're late, but we're better late than never. I'm Mike. That's Matt. Hello. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Uh, it's good, man. It's late. I'm in the middle of a long work week. I just finished up a regional semifinal soccer game uh, halfway across the state, drove halfway back across the state so I can be in South Bend for football Friday tomorrow. Uh, feeling all right, though. We have uh, we've watched two of the ugliest Packer games I can remember in recent memory uh, before being able to record this one. Uh, before we hit those, you were in Chicago. We missed each other, but you were in Chicago. Your uh, your girlfriend partner ran uh, ran the Chicago Marathon. Did she survive? She survived. She did great. Good. Um, she ran a great time. Had fun. As much fun as you can have running 26 miles in, in one uh, consistent span. It was awesome. I got to see her at, at mile four, at mile 12, at mile 21 down in Chinatown, and then at the finish line uh, around that last turn before they run into Grant Park. Um, it was a good time. It was great. I, I was I was so happy to be back in Chicago. We had a we had a wonderful time. Yeah, you've been away for a while. What's your what's your like must do back in Chicago list? Uh, my must do was was Pequod's Pizza. Mm, yep, um, I think that's my favorite pizza in the city. Uh, and Will's Northwoods Inn. It's my favorite bar in the city. Um, so we got those out of the way right away. On my birthday on the seventh, I turned twenty six. We both did. Uh, 26 in Chicago. She did the more uh, difficult and demanding thing, and I just got older. Uh, and then, uh, other than that, I think my only other must do is like drink the Chicago beers that you can't get elsewhere. Hopewell is my my favorite Chicago brewery, so we we got plenty of of Hopewell beers. Went to the brewery. Um, it's a great time. I'm sad I missed you. Oh, that's it's quite all right. I'm in I'm in the busiest and stupidest section of. Uh of the year right now with soccer in full swing and the football playoffs approaching. So yeah, I'm, I'm about, I'm about as accessible as you can get right now, which is because you know, we're recording after a week off at, <laughs> at almost at 11, after 11 at night, Eastern time. So yeah, that's about, it's about when you're going to find me these days, but congratulations uh, to, to your partner for finishing that marathon. That is, uh, I, you know, I've, as someone who's like dabbled in distance running, but not certainly not of that caliber, I can't imagine doing that that is a, a feat beyond comprehension it, it was incredible i i was watching her train all summer you know and you're just like holy holy cow i can't believe that you're doing this on the daily um she did she did so great i'm so proud of her and there is there's something of like an out-of-body experience to it i know like in longer distances if i got up over 10 miles there it's guaranteed that i was i was going someplace psychically in my mind that that you don't go normally it is it is a truly altered reality i don't i don't understand how the runner's high works i've never been a runner so i i've just never achieved it um you've talked about it being like fully like hallucinatory psychedelic kind of crazy 
yeah, it, it, uh, a lot of things get messed with, like, you know, and, and I can compare it to other, other, uh, psychedelic experiences, but like a lot of, a lot of sensory perception gets messed with like smells, especially like smells and sounds become very strange and very different. And, uh, yeah, eventually you just get like a floating feeling where you stop, you kind of stop being, being in your body quite as much as you're used to. And, and you kind of step outside of it a little bit, which is, you know, if, if, if you're looking for it, it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I know we've talked about it in the context of Aaron Rodgers before too, of like, uh, you know, the, the, Oh man, have you discovered the psychedelic experience? Maybe fine when you're 20, 20, 24, but, um, you know, in your, in your thirties, maybe a little bit of a different thing, but we do have to talk a little bit of, uh, a little bit of Packer stuff. Uh, two of the absolute ugliest games that I've ever seen have transpired since we last talked, um, we got to talk about uh, yeah Packers versus New England. Uh, the last time we left the Packers, they had just one real ugly down in Tampa Bay, and they bounce back and come back up from that and win real ugly at home against New England. Uh, New England unable to uh, unable to start anyone that they want to start as uh, as they had to go to Bailey Zappi in this game. And this guy is, he, he certainly looks to be another uh, Patriots draft pick that is pretty darn good, uh, frankly. And he was able to, uh, he was actually able to bring New England into, into a lead for most of the game. And then Green Bay had to, had to tie it on a late drive in the fourth quarter. And then Mason Crosby got the field goal in overtime. But when you take a look at this game, this is just one of those games where the Packers had just enough and also home field and that had them feeling good. Yeah. Zappy played totally, totally fine for a guy that likely got no first team snaps, a lot of second team snaps over the week um, and came in in relief to the Brian Hoyer concussion. Played, played totally fine for that. He was not a high draft pick. I think he was like a fourth, fifth yeah, rounder. Fourth rounder. Um, you know, played better than expected for that kind of guy as a rookie coming in with no preparation that week to play. Played totally fine. Uh, better than he should against the Packers defense that is supposed to be stellar and did a pretty dang good job on on Tom Brady the week before. Uh, yeah, defense. The Packers defense in this game did not look. Did not look very good uh, against the run, especially uh, yeah, in the offense. Eesh. 167 yards on the ground for New England. Harris, 86 of those. Stevenson, 66 more. And then Kendrick Bourne had a 15-yard carry. Uh, Bailey Zappi goes 10 out of 15. But Brian Hoyer was off to a pretty good start. Uh, five of six. Hoyer, a guy who... I wanted Chicago to pay and not because I'm any sort of bears fan, but because I legitimately thought that he was probably the best bears quarterback I had seen in a while while he was there. And they of course ended up without Hoyer and got on the Mitch Trubisky train at pretty much at the end of that season. And I just, I've never quite understood why Brian Hoyer hasn't been able to stick somewhere because he seems like a, a pretty serviceable quarterback. Yeah. I mean, He's so he's so serviceable and manageable. It feels more it feels like he should have fallen into the Ryan Fitzpatrick role more than Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. did. 
just because of Ryan Fitz- Fitzpatrick's complete, true like gun shooter, spraying it all around type of of play. Ryan Hoyer was very consistent. I think he took the Browns, maybe not to the playoffs, but to a winning record. If I'm not mistaken, he was not bad with the Browns for a bit. Um, it, totally fine. He he gets knocked out. You feel. He gets knocked out. You're not happy about the injury, but as a Packers fan, you're going like, all right, this should be a, let's mop this up. Let's dust it up. Let's get out of here. Uh, and Bailey Zappi keeps him, keeps, keeps the game in the Patriots hands for most of this. Well, the thing you can count on with the Patriots and the Bill Belichick thing is that they're going to have the right game plan for what they need to do, whether or not they, they were able to execute the, the Brian Hoyer is the quarterback game plan or whether it's, all of a sudden it's zappy in the game and you have to rethink things. Bill Belichick is the guy you want rethinking things on the fly. He's he's going to be capable of doing that. Uh, pluses for New England. Clearly, they have one of the elite offensive lines out there. They were uh, they were able to just run and run and run. And you know, the Green Bay defense, like they've had some troubles against the run. But uh, tell you what, 167 yards and a touchdown on the game for New England and no big chunk plays in the running game. The longest running play they had was a 17 yarder for Stevenson, but uh, they just, they have great blocking assignments and it just seemed like, like the, uh, you know, they were able to move East and West to get plenty of little kickouts and pulls, all sorts of great line play and all sorts of really technical line play from, uh, from New England. And that kind of thing is going to help out a rookie quarterback contrast that to what we're watching with the freaking bears right now and the garbage offensive line that they have, which is capable of nothing. Uh, meanwhile, New England is able to take like a quarterback no one's ever heard of and make him look pretty serviceable because he can uh, hand the ball off. They got north and south. They played a good game where they didn't have to put him in a position to to really dominate uh, and, and take over a game, which is what you need to do. The, the Patriots are better than one in three than one in three at this time. Yeah, but also on the on the other. Of course, they would uh, they would completely humiliate the Lions. Uh, next next week, which is kind of funny in its own right, but uh, you know, on on the Packers side, Rogers twenty one of thirty five, one very stupid interception, returned for a pick six. Uh, this kind of stuff is creeping into Rogers' game a little bit too much this year. I've seen him uncork probably four of the worst passes I've ever seen him throw already just in this year, which is not very encouraging. But on on the Packers side. Their running game bails them out in a big way as well. Aaron Jones goes up over 100 yards on 16 carries. Uh, A.J. Dillon, 17 carries for 73 yards. That duo was working working very well. Jones also had three catches, but only for five yards. Nothing imper- terribly important there. And uh, another another big game for uh, for Dobbs and Lazard receiving. Dobbs catches the, uh, the touchdown to tie the game to send it into overtime. Uh, the Green Bay offense looked pretty serviceable. I mean, they put 27 on the board. I, I think you're you're pretty freaking spoiled if you don't like 27 on the board for uh, for any NFL team you're rooting for. So, you know, this this was a, a interesting game, and it just it seemed like neither team was incredibly comfortable at any point, but both teams were able to be effective in in drives and in spurts. The pick six that Rodgers threw is just abysmal. I, I, that's not a miscommunication on the route. That's not, it's just a plain bad decision and a bad throw, like all around horrific. Uh, but then he comes back with the, he had the Tunyon throw, the, the touchdown to Tunyon. It was 
looked incredible. We're seeing Aaron Rodgers' highs and his lows more than we've seen them since Mike McCarthy era when it felt like he'd kind of given up. Yeah, there's there's an element of of late Brett Favre to this this now too, where I I think Brett you know late Brett Favre not the not not the crimes part, but the the yeah. you know late Packers career part of Brett Favre. Uh, it was much worse with Favre because he would just throw anything anywhere, and this was in an era where you could throw a lot more interceptions as a quarterback and still be regarded as a good player. Uh, but yeah, late late Favre was also. Uh, capable of absolute magic throws and then absolute garbage, garbage throws. And yeah, seeing that creep into Rogers game is a little bit concerning. And, you know, I, I have this read on Rogers that this football thing really ain't, ain't his thing anymore. You know, I, I think, I think he's got, I think he's got a lot of designs on what he's going to do after. And there's been some tabloid reports coming out that like, Oh, this is definitely his final season. And, you know, if you believe tabloid news, well, more power to you. I'm not, I'm not personally going to do that, but boy, it just seems like every once in a while that, you know, he's, he's not, he's not actively engaged in these games. I, I have no idea what his plan is after football. You know, he lost the jeopardy job, right? Like, yeah, what he's not he getting got? that. What else has he got? Uh, yeah, he, he he's just looked bad, and it's not. You know, I saw some 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 chatter on the on the Twitter dot com from on the Bird app from like Packers beat writers being like, "Well, he's certainly playing like somebody that missed most of the summer," and it's like, no, he was there for most of the OTAs, and he was there for training camp, and he normally doesn't take snaps in preseason. This isn't. This wasn't an unusual offseason for Aaron Rodgers. He wasn't there for like rookie camp, which of of course he's not there for rookie camp. Why would Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be there for rookie camp? How many like veteran starting quarterbacks are there for rookie camp? That's that's not unusual for him. And I don't think that is bleeding into this start. I you know, we we we're seeing it with Matt Stafford and we're seeing it with a, a lot of older guys around the league right now, Matt Ryan too is like the fall-off comes quick. It's not Aaron Rodgers playing, winning two MVPs in his late 30s is not usual. Tom Brady being really good into his mid-40s is not usual. Drew Brees playing as long as he did. Not normal. Uh, and so I, it's, 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 I've begun to wonder, like, is this the Rodgers fall-off more than the late McCarthy era? Like, I'm bored, I don't like this performance was. Um I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just that he's not on the same page with receivers yet. But man, you gotta feel like by this Patriots game, by this Giants game, you gotta be on the you gotta be on the same page with these guys. Yeah, I, I was. My comments were more more foreshadowing the discussion around the Giants game, where for the second half of that game uh, was about as bad as I've ever seen Rodgers play in in a, a prolonged sense and. That's something that I was mentioning as that game was going on, and you know, Rogers seemed more and more checked out. And you know, some of these some of these sequences that Rogers had, particularly in the fourth quarter, were some of the just some of the worst offensive possessions I've ever seen. Like games on the line, it's twenty to twenty, three plays, zero yards, three incompletions, twenty six se- seconds off the clock on a possession, and you know, New York immediately goes down and gets the touchdown for the go ahead after that, and then. Yeah, that those those kind of drives where just nothing at all is happening. Yes, 
to me, I, I kind of, I, I feel like Rogers might be, and this is pure tabloid speculation, but like, I feel like, yeah, he might be looking, he's looking at the media careers of guys like Pat McAfee and his buddy, Joe Rogan. And he's, he's looking, he's, you know, I think if you're, if you're Rogers, you look at Joe Rogan, like, here's a guy who just kind of like works out and gets high all day. And then like a bunch of famous people come into his house and like kiss his ass. And then they have an interminable fucking conversation for three and a half hours about absolute garbage. And, you know, they all pat each other on the back and look at their muscles and talk about aliens. And, you know, I, I think a guy like Rogers sees that and thinks like this, you know, this is something that I can move into except uh, the difference between Joe Rogan and Aaron Rodgers is that like Joe Rogan is somewhat interesting and capable of carrying on these conversations where like Aaron Rodgers affect is so dull that like, you know, I look at a guy like Pat McAfee, who I think is an absolute moron, but he's still entertaining when he's not like doing color commentary, which he's terrible at, but like you get him on his show, he's having a good time. He's loud. He's boisterous. Like, Rogers likes to sit there and sort of tent his fingers, be like, you know, if you think about it, the earth is flat. <laughs> I, do crap like that. I think the difference between Rogers and both of those guys is neither of those guys think they're the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Joe Rogan has some kind of like, I'm in on like the underwave of like what's happening, man. Uh, but I don't think he thinks he's a superstar genius that can shift and shape the being of the the earth uh i think aaron Rodgers does um and it's 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 not like rogers mistakes right now are arm talent mistakes you know it's not like he's he's believing that he has the arm that he had at 28 they're mental he's just not seeing guys uh he had the interception where he just completely missed a guy over the middle um and then and then in the giants game i mean the in the Patriots game, the pick six is just egregious. He's off by six yards. The the, the Jack Jones, the corner, ran the route for him. Uh, it it was just, it's just man, man. What are you? What are you? What are you doing? Yeah, and there's 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 more there's more to talk about than just than just Rogers in that Giants game because you look at the numbers. In the Giants game, Rodgers, 25 of 39 for 222 yards and two touchdowns, was only sacked twice. That's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's all right. Um, but, like, you know, when it, count, when it counted, the throws weren't there. And, but you also look at this team, didn't break 100 yards rushing. Aaron Jones just had 13 carries and caught two balls. Uh, Rodgers missed him a couple of times pretty badly on little flat throws. A.J. Dillon only carried the ball six times for 34 yards. Christian Watson got his one uh, his one end around. Left the game with a hamstring. He's still uh, questionable for uh, for for the next game. But yeah, you know, this was this was a a Giants team. I want to give them a little bit of credit here because boy, are they playing hard right now? Brian Brian Dables, damn good. He knows what he's got, and he's not going to put them in a position to do something they're bad at. They don't throw the ball deep very often. That's not what Daniel Jones does. That's not what these wide receivers are are good at. 
they're going to get the ball in Saquon Barkley's hands. They're going to give Daniel Jones one or two reads. And if those reads aren't there, use the athleticism, get outside. It's great. It's great coaching. Yeah. Jones 21 for 27, 217 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He was only sacked once for uh, four yards. That sack I do believe came from, uh, uh, came from Preston Smith. So that breaks, that breaks, Rashawn Gary's streak of consecutive games with a sack this season. So he had, he had a sack in the first four games, but none in this game. And you know, the thing that I've mentioned to you during the actual course of the game, before we both got angry, stopped talking to each other is, <laughs> is that uh, I, I loved how hard the giants were tackling. Yeah. And this is, you know, it's, and especially when you're, you're a Packers fan and, you see this team stocked with veterans and young talent and every once in a while they come out and just play completely flat and you cannot figure out exactly why here's a team in New York that has kind of nobody and they are playing their asses off for Brian Dayball. Like this defense, particularly they're tackling in the open field at an elite level. These guys were fantastic. Yeah. They, they look great. This is this is no statement of like the Packers played so bad that the Giants won. The Giants played well. The issue is like Aaron Rodgers had a terrific first half, and then the whole team disappeared for the second half. It was like the jet lag just hit them all at once. But the Giants took the same trip. They didn't get hit with the jet lag. Yeah, they were all right. Um, like as good as Aaron Rodgers could play in the first half. Looks stellar. Second half. Defense can't get a stop. Offense can't get anything going. There's a there's a stretch where Rodgers goes like out of four plays, Rodgers goes deep three times, and it's two three and outs. Like, man, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah, I was I was I was. That's the point at which I became like too upset to text you about the game because <laughs> because those kind of throws like you just that's not that's not an offense like that doesn't work anywhere. That's not the that's not an offense. That's not the offense that you're in right now that is being run. Uh, that's not what you do situationally. That's it's I get why, right? Like he's trying to hit the dagger that closes the game. The offense is sputtering. Let's get a big shot. Let's get the momentum going. But man, you've got to burn clock. The defense is is going on like long dredging drives and giving up a million yards. I mean, in the second half, Giants go 11 plays, seven minutes of possession for a field goal, 15 plays, 91 yards, eight minutes of possession for a touchdown, six plays, 60 yards, three minutes possession for a touchdown. In that span, the Packers have two possessions, a seven play possession for four yards. Fine. For four minutes. Fine. That's you'll live with that. They punt it. You'll live with that. After that touchdown drive, the Packers go three plays, no yards, 26 seconds of possession. Defense goes right back out and gives up a touchdown. After that kind of a drive from the Giants, you have to give your defense a break. You can't go deep, intermediate, deep. Run the ball once. Yeah, a, a three and out with three running plays is vastly preferable to yeah. what they did. Absolutely. Um, especially when – like. A.J. Dillon's got like a 5.7 yards per carry clip in this game. Give him the, he had six carries. Give him the ball. 5.7 yards per carry. Aaron Jones, 4.8. Give him the ball more. I don't, I don't 
you're not playing from behind for most of this game. Yeah, they were playing from ahead and uh, pretty much until that 91 yard drive that uh, that Daniel Jones Jones led. I mean, that that drive, like, again, if you are a New York fan, you got to be feeling uh, plenty fine right now. 15 plays, 91 yards, eight minutes off the clock on the road, like in, in another country. That's absurd. That's really good. Yeah. And and, you know, I don't think this game absolves. Daniel Jones from the, you know, is, is he the guy type of criticism that he's gotten since he got drafted, but you feel comfortable with this is the guy, even as a stopgap until you find somebody else you like. Yeah. Well, you're going to use him this way. The guy's four and one. So, you know, I don't know if he's the guy, but he's the four and one guy right now. You like that? Yeah. Yeah. They got Packers. They got something cooking right there. The Packers are three and two. Uh, They have a game at the jets coming up. Another, I mean, every game is kind of a, a trap game at the moment for for Green Bay because they you know, they they have a lot to prove at the moment. But oh no, it's uh it's versus the Jets, beg your pardon, and then three straight on the road at the Commanders, at the Bills, and at the Lions. That's a dangerous stretch right there for Green Bay. Yeah, hey, Green Bay might be the trap game for the Jets right now. Yeah, I I it's it's. I, I think this is a Packers team that can put it together, but good good lord, they are not they're not doing it right now. I think I think you know they're not too many pieces away from being good. They're a totally fine average team right now. Um you know, and I think we had them bag it ten or eleven wins. I think that's still totally within within reach right now. Yeah, my pick for the Packers has been eleven and six for a while. I think at this point, like having watched them play, I'm going to move that to maybe 10 and seven <laughs> because they are definitely gettable this, this, uh, this stretch. But, you know, I could see, uh, I could definitely see a two and two stretch coming over the next, uh, the next four games before you have a couple at home against Cowboys, Titans and at the Eagles, at the bears versus the Rams, at the dolphins and then Vikings lions to, uh, to finish out the season. So yeah, this next stretch could be, could be pretty dangerous but we've we've got five games in we've had a chance to to see this team now for a while um i think the thing that i'd like the most at the moment about the packers is the stuff i've liked for the last couple of years that's still there which is you've got two great running backs in in aaron jones and aj Dillon. you've got an offensive line that is still not exactly where you want it Bakhtiari's back, but they're still kind of subbing him in and out with uh, with Nyman over there. I don't, I still don't know if Elton Jenkins should be out at tackle or if he should be inside at guard. But you've got two running backs that I really like, and you know, to me, that's that's where the Packers are right now. And you know, I just I cannot figure out why we're not seeing a lot more of uh, of Aaron Jones in a lot of different phases of the game. Like, and I think part of it is that. Rogers seems to have trouble getting him the ball in the flat right now. There's, there's some, there's like a, a, a certain yip out there with that, but that throw, but at, yeah, at the moment, like that, you know, Aaron Jones might be the best Packer running back that I have seen in my lifetime. And I, it's, it's great to watch him. He's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. He's, he's the best that I remember since I'm on green in like the early mid two thousands. Um, I, you know, I have an affinity for Sam Congato, but I, I don't think he was actually very good. 
Uh, <laughs> he had a fun run. A, yeah, he had a fun run, and he's this good surgeon now, I think. Uh, yeah, you, you have to get the ball to Aaron Jones. I think so many parts of this team are disappointing, but the same things that we've been excited about for this team are still exciting. Romeo Dobbs still looks really good. He dropped that ball in the Patriots game, and it was the same. It was nearly the exact same play as the Geronimo Allison throw in the, like, 20-point comeback win over the Bears in, I think it was 2018, 2019, uh, when Rodgers had the mighty. Uh, pretty much the exact same play, exact same ball, hit him in the same spot, dropped it, tough uh that's a tough that's a tough play but Dobbs still looks good Christian Watson kind of in and out with with the hammy recently um but he's so valuable as a jet sweep type of guy is is an east and west motion piece as a vertical threat you know hopefully hopefully he can get some more run um Jones and Dylan exciting the pieces of the offense we were excited about are still exciting Nothing is really disappointing there. Yeah, uh, and on the defensive side, it's I think the real deep the disappointment I've had in the defense is is they're not that great against the run, and it's also it's it's tough to see a guy like Jerry Alexander kind of be in and out of the lineup. In that uh, he's he's so so good and makes such a difference when he's on the field. I'd love to see him be be able to be out there more, but you know, never we're never going to blame a guy for for having injuries when you're playing football because. You know, I can injure myself walking up and down a flight of stairs, but all the same, a little bit, a little bit disappointed in Nazi Jair Alexander uh, out and being able to play. But there's a, there's a lot of stuff that you like about Green Bay right now. There's there's just it's not all come together. But I tell you what, some of these young guys on this defense for Sean Gary and Quay Walker, I, I love watching these guys. This, this is a, a fun defense right now. And it just seems that they've they've fallen victim to a couple of offenses in uh, in New England and then in in New York that just seem to have their number a little bit. Yeah, it's what I've been so frustrated with is is the type of coverage our secondary is running. You know, you have Jair's been in and out, but you have Jair when he's healthy. You have Eric Stokes and you have Razul Douglas. Razul Douglas, big, strong kind of built for bodying guys up. You have Eric Stokes, runs like a 4-2-8-40, so fast, so quick, had a great year last year. Uh, Jair Alexander, all of these corners that are so good that make up, I think, probably the best cornerback group in the NFL are terrific, like press man, jam up a route, recover if they get beat off the line type of guys. And they're playing like eight yards out. Uh, and it's the same issue we've had for God knows how long, you know, going back to Dom Capers defenses. Uh, it's the same issue we've had with the Packers for, for years. That's been, that's been hard to watch. And I, you know, I understand the move to the, like the, the cover two shell and and that's effective against these wide zone offenses that are taking over the league. And I get it, but it's, 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 it's hard to watch when you can kind of see what your personnel is built for. And it's, it's not happening. Yeah, that, that is a bit of a frustration, and it's one of those things where I, I don't really quite have the answer as to why why the Packers defensive staff would think that that's the way to go. There's a certain matter of trust that I have in that, like, 
clearly these guys know a little bit more about NFL defense than I do. But, you know, at the, at the same time, like I'm looking at the same thing you are and thinking like, well, these are, these are some shut down guys. Like I like Rasul Douglas would be cornerback one on like at least 12 NFL teams right now. Like I think he'd immediately be the star of the bears secondary. I have, I, and there, there's a lot of that. Like, do you, do you see a reason why green Bay would be playing the way they are in, in pass coverage? I, you know, I, I, it feels a little bit like playing scared of like, I'm sure you've seen the analytics on shot plays, right? Like if you hit two shot plays in a game, you win the game at 78% or something like that. And so it feels like sound like we need to prevent that because the analytics say if that happens, we are in trouble. Uh, And totally, they're not giving up. Huge outside of the Minnesota game, which also like wasn't shot plays. It was crossers. It yeah. was it was over the middle linebacker before the safety crossers. It wasn't shots. Um they've been a really decent bend don't break defense, giving up a million yards and not giving up a ton of points. Uh I don't I don't I don't I don't get it. You have a group of like really competitive young cornerbacks and a guy, Razul Douglas, who's older, but is like a practice squad guy. He's still he's still coming. Every player in the NFL is still on like a I, I want to win. I'm going to be better than the guy in front of me. That's why you're here. Let him compete. Don't pull him, don't pull him eight yards off the line of scrimmage on a third and five. That's crazy. Yeah, I think I follow your reasoning a little bit. I think I think for the Packers you are looking at a, a team that used to predicate their defense around the idea that the offense could score 28 pretty much every game. And that is not exactly what we've seen Green Bay's offense be able to do. You know, New, New York scores 27. Uh, you know, the Patriots scored 24. Like they're not, they're not giving up tons of points to these teams. Buccaneers scored 12. You know, the Vikings scored 23 and one. So, so you are, you're, you're looking at like an offense that, yeah, I don't think is going to give you 28 points per game on average this year. I think that, you know, they're more in the 25 range, but these margins for error are so small in, in the NFL that, yeah, if your offense is underperforming by three and a half points, all of a sudden your defense goes from making you look like a genius to making you get fired. Yeah, it's a it's a team built on if our offense can score 21, we will win the game. And that's not happening. Uh and it 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 just feels like some weird scaredy cat mentality against the big play. And hey man, if you're running that against Brian Hoyer and you're running that against Daniel Jones, and you're gonna. I'm assuming you're gonna run it against Zach Wilson, who is the worst quarterback under pressure. The Packers hardly ever blitz. You know they bring five a lot, but they're showing that at the front. They're not bringing extra guys off the edge. They're not bringing you know a corner, a safety, an extra linebacker. They're showing what they're bringing a lot. Zach Wilson's the worst quarterback in the NFL against the blitz. Uh, be aggressive. We saw it like. You know, the last two plays in this game for the Packers offense before the the futile final drive, you know, the two passes to get batted down. Wink Martindale showing cover zero. That's why we're not that's why the Packers aren't running it 
uh, on third and two and fourth and two. He's showing cover zero. He's saying, I'm bringing more than you can match. Throw the ball. He's 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 telling you, here's what you're going to have to run. I'm making the decision for you. Uh, and we don't we don't see much of that from this Packers defense. It's a lot of adjusting to the offense and a lot. A lot less making the offense adjust to them. I want to talk a little bit about the NFL in England. And my, my, my question is, why in the fuck are we trying to make the British like football? It's the dumbest shit in the world. I don't fucking get it. Like, <laughs> what? what, what they the have their own hell? football. Let yeah. them have it. Like, why? Why? Especially. I mean, you have you have an island full of weirdos, all offense intended to the British. You have an island full of weirdos attached to a continent that doesn't give a shit about your game. And now south of us, in the same time zone, you have a whole other country that has a pretty good working grasp of both the English language and American tackle football. And then you've got a whole other giant continent in the same time zone below that. Why aren't we trying to make the NFL work? If we must make the NFL work somewhere else that isn't America, which I don't see, I don't know why that has to be a thing other than like, you know, the drive to eternally increase profits. uh, if you have to make it work somewhere, why not fucking Mexico? Mexico City makes so much sense for an expansion team. It's a second Denver on the south side that's so high above sea level. That Mexico City makes almost too much sense for the next, like, the first international expansion team. And also, there's a whole country above us that has a great grasp on football, already has a semi, you know, a minor football league compared to the nfl and i'm sure would be very interested in the nfl you've got two of them right next to you no other sport has had an issue expanding to canada there's been no interest in that we're leaving the cfl on its own a league where the the mvps come to the nfl and are sure. punt returners that get bounced after a year yeah and and you have you there are so many fewer losses that you would need to cut if your if your great move into Canada doesn't work, like see the NBA for this, you know they Toronto is working out fine. Toronto is a world class city and really the gem that Canada has to offer. I was in Toronto this summer. I just I loved it. Uh, it was a whole lot of fun for a week. But uh, you know you also had Vancouver had the Grizzlies for a while. It didn't work out. Just move them back down to Memphis. They're fine. You know if you if you really truly like bring a team into England or have teams going over there for so long. Like you're asking so, so much out of these teams to do it. And, you know, granted, like they seem to have like good attendance and like, it seems to be working to have games over there, but I just, I, it, it boggles my mind why it's, why it's important that like Nantes Island likes, likes the NFL. I'm just trying to picture like a regular consistent, happening where teams from the west coast have to fly to london for games yeah 
you know, a year where everybody on the West Coast, everybody in the AFC West or everybody in the NFC West has to go to London or the London team has to go to Arizona and play. And I'm just like, this seems completely ridiculous. It seems makes terrible. no sense. Uh, you know, and, and you can expand to Canada and cut your losses if it doesn't work. Because I hear that there's going to be a big stadium opening uh, pretty soon in a major, maybe the third biggest city in America on a, a waterfront. I hear there's going to be one of those open soon. Uh, yeah. So you, you got a spot. You can drop somebody if you need to while you figure out where where else to put them. I've, uh, I've heard a um, I've heard pretty consistent rumors that because of the uh, the cons connections to Chicago that the Jaguars would would meet if if Soldier Field were to vacate that the Jaguars would immediately uh, try to move try to move north just hey, rumors but at the same time like sounds pretty plausible to me man it sounds pretty plausible and I still can't believe there's a team in Jacksonville Florida no all offense all offense intended for Jacksonville. Yes. yeah all I, offense. I've been I, I thought so it was I. I thought it was Sioux Falls South Dakota when I landed yeah, I could tell the difference. Yeah, I, you know, a, a place like Cincinnati, which not a major American city by any stretch, but like they are so much better suited to have an NFL team than Jacksonville, Florida. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Um, yeah, just un- unbelievable. This whole this whole NFL in England thing, absolutely unbelievable. I actually I did watch the entirety of a CFL game from my hotel room on like the one down night that I had in, in Toronto. It's, it's absolute garbage. I don't recommend it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's not that good. That's, that's the other thing about football is that football when played with parody by skilled players is amazing, but like pro football played by people who aren't good enough to get to the NFL is generally not amazing. I I when I was in Chicago I watched uh watched the Ohio State Michigan State game. I watched I don't know first half, couple quarters. I might have gotten into the third quarter before I left. Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. I guess I saw four Ohio State touchdowns before I really watched Michigan State move the football. So this isn't why have we not I know I'm in an Ohio State bar. Why have we not all turned the TVs off and done something else yet? Uh, yeah, the the high school team I cover got um, has won five games in a blowout, won a sixth game by one point in one good game, and lost two games in a blowout. So they're six and two, and I've called one good game this year. Yeah, I mean. It, I'll I'll never be on record in my in my professional capacity as saying that, but uh, I'll, I'll gladly say it here in my whole my whole name. Like, you know, some some of these games are absolutely dire. The last two games have been forty to nothing and twenty one to nothing shutout victories. I, I like it when this team wins, and I like my job. But like, you know, you need parity for football to be good. <laughs> you absolutely need parity and skill. Yeah, and and maybe you know maybe the NFL's getting more to that i i look at the nfl right now and i go eh, you know maybe the bills are the best team chiefs look pretty good i don't know who's in third i can't pick who's in third and i don't think the bills and chiefs are that far ahead of everybody else you know and the giants are four and one i don't think they're a 
I don't think they're going to the NFC Championship, but they're winning games. I I I think the NFL is is pretty evenly cut right now. Uh, but man, it's just you need you need good quarterback play, and you need you need parity. Those are the two essentials to watching good football. Or you need an offense that runs out of the. Yep. You need, or you need an offense that runs a triple option every play. Also fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the England thing is just another way of the NFL overextending itself. Uh, right before we started recording, we watched the end of the Bears Commanders game, and you know, these Thursday night games are absolute trash. You're now wasting a national hero in Al Michaels by paying him a billion Bezos dollars to go call these games. Uh, like there hasn't there hasn't been a single good Thursday NFL game yet. I mean, some of them are so awful that they're good. But like, it's it's hard on these players. Like, it's clearly not in the best interest of player safety to have these Thursday night games. Like, the NFL is stretching itself out in ways that I just I don't think that there's any long term benefit that's going to you know there there are short term benefits. Like, you know, Roger Goodell is richer than ever. <laughs> all these all these teams are more valuable than ever. All the numbers keep going up on their TV media contracts. But like, you know, when it comes to long-term sustainability of the game, like, you know, we're going to, I think we're going to look back on this era as the era where the NFL, like just blew its, blew its own self out. I, I hate the Thursday night games. I think it should be a second Monday night game. Sure. That makes so much more yeah, sense do it. to me. That'd be great. Uh, Let Boomer th- yeah, call him. Sure. Hey, hey, man. I, I don't. I'm watching. I watch Boomer. Let Boomer and Booger call it. I'll, I'll turn it on mute. I don't care. Uh, I. It just Thursday is the worst thing that has happened that I can remember in so long. It's, it's, it's been the worst football every single week. I, I dread watching the Packers play on Thursday. You get no time to prepare. You get no time for guys who got kind of nicked on Sunday to come back from it and played hundred percent. It increases the risk of injury on Thursday night so much more. You can do a Thursday night after a bye week. Totally. Both teams coming off a bye play on a Thursday night. Cool. That's fine by me. We get a couple of those every, every year. That's fine. You can't do it every week. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely with you. There's, it's it's dangerous and it's also just really ill-advised but that's that's the thing about you know the thing about american culture is that the numbers have to get bigger and things have to get you know you know there's a whiteboard somewhere in roger goodell's office that just says tuesday night football Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep you know they want more yeah that's that's the thing about it is that you just can't you can't ever have enough you always need to have more you know, and the NFL being, I think, the most American of uh, of our current sports leagues, kind of supplanting baseball. It just it'll never have it'll never be enough. You know, Goodell's looking at like the weird conferences in college football that play like on Wednesdays and like yeah, he's looking at those going like I can run them out of business. Should we do it? Yeah, uh, I never liked the Mountain West Conference anyway. I didn't like Maction. I never liked it. Let's run it out. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Bills being the uh, the best looking team in the NFL right now. I mean, 38 to three over Pittsburgh last time out. That certainly doesn't uh, doesn't hurt your calculation on them. 
I still, uh, I, I think the Baltimore Ravens at three and two are a little bit underrated. Um, I'm, I gotta be a Lamar Jackson believer. Uh, I was talking with my wife about this. She's like, what's the deal with this team here? And I'm like, well, Lamar Jackson is a unique talent. He's one of the only guys in the NFL who can run the option effectively at the NFL level. Trouble with Lamar Jackson is that if you commit to Lamar Jackson being your quarterback, you have to build a team around him to make that make sense. And so if you're going to say he's going to be my quarterback for three years and you're unwilling to pay him for seven years, you're an idiot. So, uh, yeah, Baltimore should pay Lamar Jackson because they have gone through the trouble of putting together an offense that makes a lot of sense around him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the Chiefs. NFC is, uh, well, you got one undefeated team in the league, and that's Philadelphia. And I tell you what, they, uh, you know, th- their recent lack of, of success be damned. They, they look fantastic. Yep. They look, they look good. Uh, I don't, I don't believe in the Eagles as the NFC team yet. I just don't. I really like Jalen Hurts. I really like AJ Brown. The defense is playing good. I, j- I just can't. I can't see their rushing attack sure. outside of Jalen Hurts carrying into the playoffs. And and despite Jalen Hurts' strides as a passer, he's still young enough where I'm like, you you have to prove it for a lot longer and against better competition to get me to believe in 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 you going deep into the playoffs and dominating as a passer without much rushing attack. You buy the Cowboys at four and one? Nope, not a not okay. a not a not chance. chance. Not a chance. I'd I'd buy the Cowboys winning eight games this year. See, I'm and I'm looking at the Rams at two and three and thinking like, oh, they're gonna be a lot better than that by the yeah. time we're done. There's too much a little bit too much talent on the Rams, but that point differential right now, oh boy. Their their line is just so bad that I I think outside of that, they are so much better. And I think they're their offense looks good when Stafford gets yeah. the time, but man, oh man, is that line just wrecked. They have the second worst point differential in the league behind the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are at minus 51. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, that is that is the Trubisky experience right there. Absolutely. And then the Kenny Pickett experience. And he, he, he looked all right last week. Yeah. He didn't look terrible. Yeah, the Packers have the Jets. At Lambeau Field next week, chance for them to get back from uh, from merry old England and 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 get get some stuff done. Still, what are we doing trying to make the British like football? I, why why does that help our culture if the British like something we're doing? I don't want them to like it. First off, they yeah. took rap and it's it's bad. We don't. I don't like that they took rap music. They shouldn't have that. Are you in and out or in or out on Skepta? I'm out. Okay, that's fair. I, Sometimes I'll hear a guest first sometimes, and I'm like, okay. I'll hear a feature. I'm like, okay, sure. I listened to an album. I said, no, thank you. Uh, I'm out on on UK drill music as a whole, except for the except for the man. Men's not hot. All right. How about the Sleaford mods? I don't know. Okay, that might be uh might might be something for you. I'm 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 curious about that. I'm not I'm not out on all British rap. I mean, they got to do something over there. Right. I'm out on <laughs> British food. Yeah, completely. Out on British food. Um I I think I'm out on most British things. Right. Uh I am a soccer man. I've I've uh, I've grown to love the beautiful game, so it's uh I can definitely get behind them uh doing soccer, but like that's why the NFL makes no sense over there. Like 
they've they've got their sport. That's what they're about. There's like entire books written about like British soccer hooliganism. Like uh, uh, Among the Thugs is one of the best sports journalism books ever written by anyone. They've got their game that is played on a big grassy field and there's kicking involved. They've got it. And they do it way better than we do over here. They're, They're good. We don't need to go over there. I also think that if you do play in London, if the NFL is going to make you play in London on occasion, you have to have a bye the next week. It's insane. I, I, I hate the whole idea from it, from its roots to the top to the when Queen Elizabeth died and they did a moment of silence for Queen Elizabeth. Get out of here. Yeah, uh, that, that was the the um, the American. Uh, this is just my my culture corner now, but the American tributes and mourning for Queen Elizabeth baffling, baffling. Uh, like you expect me to mourn another country's monarch? <laughs> Why do I care? I don't like the other country. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care about the queen. I don't like this country. <laughs> I don't like. I don't like this one. I'm kind of out on countries. I don't like that one. I don't like rulers. I don't like people in charge. Yeah, I, I don't care about her. Yeah, and you get all this whole thing of like, oh, she's just a figurehead. It's just a thing, like. Oh no, like the Buckingham Palace can like rewrite laws and like rewrite the tax code to make sure that it doesn't ever affect them. Like they're not just figureheads. They're worth how many billions of dollars? They're not they're not just like a little a little drawing. They're not a logo for the country. Yeah. They take up real things. Yeah. It would really help out the people of, of the UK. A moment of silence for the queen. Come on. What are we here. doing here? <laughs> Enough of this. Uh, fi- final note. Sad, uh, I don't want to end on a sad note, but I, I did want to bring up uh, there. there's going to be like actual legal trouble for Devontae Adams for shoving a guy after the last after the last uh, Raiders game. Uh, just kind of a, a tough situation for Adams. And, you know, I've as much as you you hate to see you know people shoving other people for re- for reasons unbeknownst to us like yeah that's i i really feel for him like that's yeah he's going to have to have to make sure that you know he does the right things legally to get you know to deal with that situation but man i feel bad for him that is a tough situation out there in in las vegas and you know i as as much as i've always endorsed taking mark davis's money like mark davis would Give, please give me money. I will gladly take it. But my goodness, like that's that's got to be tough. It's. I saw the video and like, man, it's got to be so hard to play for Josh McDaniels. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to mess up your whole thing. You're just leaving every game going like, what the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? I mean, especially after like, you know, you play for Mike McCarthy and Matt McFleur and Matt LaFleur and like, say what you will about Mike McCarthy, not a stupid raging prick. No, <laughs> like, but Josh McDaniels by every metric, just a stupid prick. Yeah. Mike McDaniel, uh, Mike McCarthy, a nice, great, pretty great guy from all that I've ever seen. Who yeah. I didn't like a couple of years of his coaching decisions. Yeah. Yeah. But most of his tenure, I was like, Terrific coach. We're good. 
yeah, you know, a, a professional who expects his players to be professionals, you know, and a, a little bit of lack of effort and follow through and accountability in the, you know, extending downward from Mike McCarthy. It seems to, you know, seems to be a guy who, uh, if he's got the right players and the right assistants around him, like everything works pretty fine because yeah, he seems to have the, the right way of going about it. it. Seems to be working in Dallas right now. They got a bunch of veterans on that team. And uh, you know, they like they like where they're going at the moment. But yeah, I can't imagine playing for McDaniels out out in Las Vegas of all places. And you know, that's the that's the thing about about Vegas is that four days in Vegas seem, makes it seem like a place that you could go to more often. Seven days in Vegas makes it seem like a place that you need to stop fucking going to. I can't imagine <laughs> what like a, a year, a season in Vegas will do to you. Where do you where do you live? Are there suburbs for Las Vegas? Oh, certainly, I, yeah. There has to be. And I'm like, are they good? All I know are the Twin Peaks suburbs. Sure. Season three. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely like there's areas where you can live, but there's also you know, a lot of it's very new and it's all car based. And you know, I, I imagine a lot of these guys, you know, most of you know, even when you see on the strip, like you know, places like Mandalay Bay are full of condos and like the off strip, you know, the, the hotels and the high rises are full of condominiums and like longer term rentals. You can absolutely live in them if you want to. I'm assuming a lot of the players do just because it's probably a lot easier than like having to maintain a house or anything out there even even an apartment building farther away but my god yeah it's yeah it's it's a it's a it's a pretty good place to like you know live and work if you want to make some money for a while and especially if you're in the service industry out there like there's some pretty strong union jobs available and you know casinos are by and large like good union workplaces because they rake in money and uh you know ownership will gladly retain you know retain retain staff and uh retain good staff if even if it means having to deal with you know negotiate collective bargaining with a with a union but you know i can't i just can't imagine you know having having to be out there and you know we've, we've already seen it like the you know las vegas has had a lot of trouble with player culture out there and i think a lot of part of it is that like it is truly a place where you can get anything you want, like whatever your tastes are, man. They got it. It it's you know they. It's a Raiders thing. It's not just a Las Vegas thing. I think it's, yeah, true. It, this goes back to Oakland before. Oh yeah, um, which is a a pretty regular, regular city. Uh, but yeah, moving moving the Raiders, who already had serious issues in team culture, to Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing changed. Mm. Shockingly. No, and they, man, they were, um, you know, I don't think a lot of uh, prognosticators would have had them at one and four after their first five games. They've underperformed in in a whole bunch of different ways um so yeah ending on a down note isn't any good so uh, uh the russell wilson experience out there in denver <laughs> that'll get that'll get a smile Man. back on our faces uh, that's that's so fun i feel so bad for nathaniel hackett uh i heard a stat today of of i think it's like touchdowns through like five or six games it's like touchdowns touchdown interception percentage uh, and yardage, uh, Brock Osweiler, uh, Drew Locke, 
and some other insane Broncos quarterback for one year were all better than Russell Wilson to this stretch of the year. It wasn't Which, Trevor Simeon, was it? It was Trevor Simeon. Okay. Yep, thank you. Thank wow. you for reminding me Ugh. of the Northwestern grad. Um, we're all better than Russell Wilson to this point in the season Ooh. with way worse offenses. Mm. Uh, he's he's been he's been dreadful and that man is owed a quarter of a billion dollars oh boy they are stuck yeah and that's that to me is like i i love the guaranteed contract in the nfl but that don't mean you have to give it to russell wilson nope no you didn't have to do that nope you did not have to do that i mean i yeah for for me it's a matter of like i i think that you know, most most one or two year deals of any kind should most likely be fully guaranteed, and like speculative longer term three to five year deals, you know should should include a little bit more of an out clause for both sides after the first two years because you know, the NFL is just a kind of league where like longevity isn't baked into it. But yeah, my goodness, that that contract is terrible, and it hamstrung hamstrings their ability to build a team around the guy. I mean, it's amazing they're two and three at this point. That they have my thing is like they have a good team around it. I like Cortland Sutton, I like Jerry Judy, Javante Williams is hurt. When he's healthy, he's good. Mike Boone's been all right. Melvin Gordon's on the squad. He's a, he's a decent veteran. They have an offense around him for sure. Uh KJ Hamler, like they have guys on offense. He's just bad. He's just playing bad. Ah, but it's fun though. It's, it's great to watch. Yeah, yeah. It's, I love it. It's, it's just a, a, a natural villain. I, I wonder, you know, with a, a personality as, as calculated as Wilson is, like, he knows he's a heel, right? He knows that. He has to. It, it feels like there was such a shift <clears throat> after, uh, you know, the interception against the Patriots. Yeah. feels like there was sh- such a shift. I think it's like the post-game interview where he's, like, talking about, like, God made it so I would lose. Like, this is God's decision. Um, and it feels like immediately on that interception, there's a shift from like small town boy <laughs> to like calculated God has chosen me for this journey and I will lead the way. <laughs> oh my uh, goodness. So no, I'm I'm glad he's failing. I, I don't like that guy, and that's it. I yeah. hope that he gambles away all the money. Um <laughs> <laughs> Based casino workers tips him very yep. well for bringing him free Miller lights. Yep, I hope Devontae Adams' season gets better out in uh, out in Las Vegas. I hope the Jacksonville Jaguars do move to the lakefront in Chicago and set up sort of like a pro wrestling, like you know, uh, face heel relationship with the Chicago Bears and just end- endlessly taunt taunt them, even though both franchises will most likely lose every game mm-hmm. for the rest of their natural lives and. Uh, yeah, Packers Jets coming up next week. Uh, we'll watch that game, and when we get done watching it, we'll talk about it on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Uh, Matt, good catching up with you, man. Glad we were able to make this work. It's it's late. I'm tired. I'm going to bed before I uh, before I keep talking and make even less sense after midnight. But uh, one more thing to do, and that's to tell them to stay cheesy, baby. All right. Um, and also, also. I want to say we've talked a lot about the Geico Gecko. I saw an Aflac commercial for the first time during the Bears game. I want to make it clear. I don't want to kill the Aflac goose. He's okay. fine by me. He doesn't say words. He says Aflac, not a word. 
Not a word. I believe that that might still be Gilbert Gottfried's read on that line. Yeah. All right. He's already dead. We yeah. don't have to kill him. <laughs> He's dead already. <laughs>